They say this mountain can't be moved They say these chains will never break But they don't know you like we do There is power in your name We've heard that there is no way through will never change they haven't seen what you can do there is power in your name so much power in your name so much power in the name of Jesus Christ this is Apostle and Prophet Chris Ward thank you my help is here already I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being your servant, your apostle, prophet, priest, and king on the radio and the podcast that we have. We I thank God for you. Um, as we enter into some um, another uh, set of shows, and you can go to anchor.fm slash Voice of Dominion. You can listen to all the shows that we have leading up to this one. We have about a whole year's worth there. And uh, I do progressive teaching and progressive revelation as time changes. It'll go back into the beginning of the pandemic time where you can listen and hear and see and have illumination and understanding. Uh, I am Apostle and Prophet Chris Ward. This is the Voice of Dominion broadcast, and we take very much, uh, consider it very much a privilege to be in your hearing today. Um, the last three or four shows, and, and I don't seem to be able to move on from it, we're talking about the sovereignty of the living God, the sovereignty of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That is, the, there, are, there are three characters in one person. They always operate in unison. The Father conceives, Jesus ratified, and the Holy Spirit does the work. He's the, the muscle, if you will. He's the horsepower of God's design, purpose, and will for mankind. God has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for your children. I was talking to somebody about that today, and uh, they ended up getting led to Christ, and I thank God for the privilege of being able to lead them to Christ. But you have to understand that God is sovereign, and any sovereign being, when, they, when there's a decree or they exercise their their sovereign their sovereignty there's an ended purpose for it there's a purpose for ending it and we need to know that our god through jesus christ and if that's if you have received jesus christ as your personal lord and savior um our god has created you for a sovereign purpose but one of the major issues with the society that we live in, it's been mounting over the last, I've been in full-time ministry for 30 years. And before I was in full-time ministry, there were seven years I was preparing, making the transition from a, a NFL, so-called NFL football star to being used of the Lord. Somewhere around the fifth, maybe I say somewhere around after the first three and a half years, God revealed to me that he wanted me to be a minister. And I didn't want to be a minister. Okay, I didn't. I just didn't think I was worthy, and that's con that's self condemnation. That comes when a person cannot begin to see the vision, and I had not had vision. And somewhere right in that period, 
three and a half years into the first seven years of my salvation. So I've been saved about 37, 38 years now. And about three and a half years in, in the middle of that, I had started reading my Bible and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I was ministering to a person today, the person that got saved about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you once you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you are able to conceive the sovereignty of God. You cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it without being saved. Because the person that I, that I ministered to today, I said to them, I said, where is Jesus at? They said, well, he's everywhere. He's, everywhere I go, he's there. I was like, well, yeah. He's God of everything, but he's only Lord of certain people who believe in the death, burial, and, Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I said to her, I said, will you make the confession of faith? And they said, yes. And I led them to confess that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus died on the cross, and that Jesus was resurrected on the third day. I asked them, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? I do. I said, well, okay, now just pray this little prayer with me. And we, they confessed that they believed those things. They said it with their mouth. They asked Jesus to come into their heart. And then I always lead people right at the end to put their hand on their heart. Ask Jesus to come into my heart. And I said, and I do like this. And you can't see me, but maybe you can hear me patting my chest. Can you hear my heart beating? Okay, it's beating because I'm leading people to the Lord. And it's a great thing. And they put their hand on their chest. And chest. Now I said, now where is Jesus at? He's in my heart. He is not only God over you. He is now Jesus is in you. Your 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 spirit has been renewed to receive the covenant of the living God. So you got to read the book. But we're talking about the sovereignty of God, and it's just sometimes. And right now, my heart gets heavy from time to time because I don't see a lot of faith for the sovereignty of God. What does what does sovereignty mean? What does sovereignty mean? Okay, and I'm going to read that. And I think I did in one of the prior shows. But I'm going to read it today because you need to know, if you if we're talking about the sovereignty of God, you need to know what the word sovereignty means. You need to understand, have a full understanding. And so I'm here today to not only give you knowledge, but give you understanding. Sovereignty. Uh-huh. I want to, can you hear my phone working? Guess what? Thank you, Jesus, for good internet in the studio. Sovereign, sovereignty. It says supreme power, especially over a body or politic. What? Now, we don't understand sovereignty in this country because we have democracy. Or do we have democracy? Some would say we, we don't. Some would say that we do. Okay. It says here, freedom from external control. Oh, God is free from external control. And guess what? If you get with him and read this book and believe you receive Jesus as Lord and get filled with the Holy Spirit, he'll show you how to be free from, it says freedom from external control. C, controlling influence. You will not be influenced by all this traffic that's going out here. It says, uh, two, one says, one thing is sovereign, especially. That means autonomous state. You're an autonomous state. You're able to stand by, stand on your own. Well, man can take on the sovereignty of God based on their 
the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and believing in the Holy Spirit and allowing the revelation and illumination and understanding to come into their soul to understand that God is sovereign and he created a sovereignty for you if you believe. It says here, it says here, number three, obsolete, supreme excellence or an example of it. So what will happen, you see a transformation taken here. You see God's sovereignty and then you see one that, that, that talks about being able to uh, number two here, let's see what it says here. It says freedom from external control. So you're able to break away from how other people do everything. And it says, and it says, see, controlling influence. Okay. You break it away from all that. Number two says controlling influence, one that is sovereign, especially an autonomous state, absolute supreme excellence or an example of it. So you see there from one, a, B, C to two, A and B, a transformation that takes place in, in the definition of that word, because you go from God's sovereignty to you being changed into a sovereign being. Your sovereignty has been given to you by God. Go to Acts chapter, uh, excuse me, Genesis chapter one, 26 to 28. You will see it. He said, I gave you authority over every living thing. And that is the position that man is supposed to operate in this earth. Okay. And over every man or woman, there's another man or woman that should have sovereignty over them, an ability to be able to help them figure this whole thing out. Now we want to go to, let's go to, uh, we're going to go, we're going to open up uh, let's look in Second Samuel seven, okay. And our model for this was came out of First Chronicles twenty nine, okay. And we see David expanding on the sovereignty of God. Now I'm I'm gonna start here. So, well, why are you in Second Samuel seven? Because it's something I want you to see, okay. Second uh, Samuel seven verse one reads as follows. And it came to pass when the king sat in his house and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies that the king said unto Nathan. Okay, now watch this. There is this, there's the obsolete. He's, God has separated him from all the traffic. In other words, his enemies had been made to be at peace with him. It says here, and it came to pass when the king sat in his house and the Lord had, and the Lord had, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies. So you see the, the exchange of God's sovereignty into a man that's actually living in this earth. Because all your enemies are under your feet, you ain't got no problem sleeping. You're not worried about no finances. Okay. You're not worrying about what you're going to do next. Because God is, is establishing you as a separate entity. And the only way that happens is through the sovereign, sovereign power of God. Read verse 2 for me. That the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thy heart, for the Lord is, is with thee. Stop right there. Now this is powerful. You see here... In one, he has rest all about, okay? And this is what happens in Second Samuel 7, 1. This is what happens to people to get wealthy and leave their purpose out. 
They get comfortable. They get complacent. Okay? But let me show you why David really had the sovereignty of God. Read verse 2 again for me. Verse 2. That the king said unto Nathan, the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar. I got my house. I got mine. All right, go ahead. I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. He was still, after he became established, after he had, had rest from all his enemies, David was still concerned about the expansion and building of God's house. Oh, my God, what a revelation. Whew, I feel my help up in here. I needed it because I was a little weary from last week and this week, all the taxes and all the paperwork I've been trudging through. And I was sitting in my house uh, come, before I came to the studio. I was saying, Lord, I needed your help. And, you know, the Bible says when we are weak, he is strong. So in my in, out of my infirmities, I am here preaching the gospel, and I'm seeing stuff that I never saw in that scripture before. David could have stopped like 99.999% of the people, okay, in verse 1, where he had rest from all of his enemies. What are your enemies? Poverty, lack, shortage, sickness, disease, and infirmity, okay? Lack of abundance, lack of increase, lack of abundance. In other words, I got enough. I had somebody else tell me, well, I ain't got this where I'm at. I said, but guess what? Your best defense is a great offense. Is to be moving forward, attempting to do more. Because I, t- I told him, I said, listen, in the next 10 years, this this bull constrictor called call the recession is going to tighten up on everybody's neck. And next thing you know, that if you know anything about a bull constrictor, big old Big old snake, they squeezing your eyes be bugging out, and all of a sudden his mouth opens up and he start, he swallows you whole. And it's estimated right now that two out of three people in the next three years gonna have to have outside help just to be able to eat every day. Why? They bought into the system, and when they could have been going, starting the business, or praying before the Lord, and we're talking Christians too. Okay, and praying before the Lord for increase. That's well, and I heard this today. Well, I'm okay. Okay, you okay? Be okay. David wasn't okay. It says that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, "See now, I dwell in a house. Oh, see, I got my house. But what about God's house? What about the house of God? Which is not in a good place right now, by the way. Just in case you you listening to me. Okay." Read verse 3 for me. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thy heart, for the Lord is with thee. Stop right there. Wow. Can you imagine the sovereignty and the things that you could get done if you had a real understanding of verse 3 there? What happened? Nathan was the prophet over David. Nathan was 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 David's uh, go-to minister and counselor. Okay. He was the one that counseled David. He had the authority to judge David because God knew he was going to need a judge because David had some issues. He liked to look at naked women and he, he loved wives and, and, and all, all that. And Nathan said unto the king, go do all that is in thine heart for the Lord is with thee. Oh, now let's go to first Chronicles 29. We're going to refresh that and then we're going to, we're going to, we're going to step on it. Well, wait a minute. Okay, thank you, Holy Spirit. It says here, let's see what, what happened. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant, verse 5, David, 
Thus said the Lord, shall thou build me a house for me to dwell in, whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in the tent and in the tabernacle and all the places where I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of them about the tribes of Israel. Now, why was that important? That whole statement there, go and tell David, thus said the Lord, shall thou build me a house? Why is that important? It's important to David because he recognized that while he was living in a house of cedar that was hand-built, and I would love to see what the, what those what those houses looked like back then. I, you know, they have ruins now, and I don't know what they look like. I don't what the architecture and and, and zoning and all. they didn't have no zones. They they knocked some trees down and put some bricks down, and they did what they did. I don't know anything about uh, biblical back in that time what the architecture would have been. But he says, go and tell verse five. Go and tell my servant David. Thus said the Lord, shalt thou build me a house? In other words. I'm going to handle this. I'm going to give you sovereignty. And that was important to David because one of David's master purposes for existence was taking back the promised land. Now we're going to look at that. Let's go to, uh, let's go to the next chapter. Flip over there. I'm going to let you do some reading. Yes. Second Samuel eight, one. And we're in, if you listen to this, do not be sitting there. Uh, lolly dollying, uh, I need you to get your Bible, and I need you to read with me. Go ahead. Verse 1, uh, chapter 8, 2 Samuel uh, 8. And after this it came to pass that David smote the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Megethaham. Methagama. Methagama. Thank you. Out of the hand of the Philistines. Okay, so what's taking place right here? You had seven tribes, seven mountains, seven different heathen nations, several idol-worshiping nations that in some form or another were enemies to Israel or they occupied part of Jerusalem. They occupied part of Jerusalem, um, the state that we know as Jerusalem today. So it was important. David wanted to build God a house. And that was important because he knew he was going to, he had been given authority, go and do all that is in thine heart. That he had been given sovereign authority to take the land back from these people. Watch this, verse 2. Go ahead. And he smote Moab and measured them with a line, casting them down to the ground, even with two lines measured he to put to death and with one full line to keep alive. And so the Moabites became David's servants and brought gifts. They became his servants. And when you subjugate somebody, you have the ability to take whatever they have. Okay. And, you know, somebody, somebody said to me one time, and I heard a preacher preach this, that David was, you know, God judged David because he was a murderer and he took all these people he took all these people's lands and all that. God, that is that was the dumbest thing I ever heard. He, the man had the authority. It was given to him by God. He was just exercising his right to walk in the sovereignty of God on this earth. It says, he smote Moab and measured them with a line, casting them down to the ground. Even with two lines measured he to put to, to death and with one full line to keep alive. So he got rid of half of them and the other half he made slaves out of. 
and with one full line to keep alive, so that the Moabite became David's servants and brought gifts. So whatever part of Israel or whatever part that overlapped into their own land, he took control of it, the borders of Israel. Okay. And then he subjugated the people that had, had hold that, that, that had control of that land. And he made them bring gifts. Oh my God. Are you a king and a priest? Uh, I think so. I think revelation tells us that read verse three. David smoke also had a desert, the son of Rehob. Rehob. Mm-hmm, go ahead. King of Zobah, as he went to recover his border at the river Euphrates. Now watch this. It says he went to recover, not the border of Jerusalem, not the border of Israel. The Bible says his border. So he took possession of the sovereignty of God and was now exercising his authority to be able to take whatever God told him he could take. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm. Now you need to be praying, what did God tell you to take? Yeah, you got some stuff. Yeah, you got this and you got that. But what's the next conquest? Keep on. No, okay, because I'm going to show you something. Read verse 4. Verse 4. And David took from him a thousand chariots and 700 horsemen and 20,000 footmen. And David hodged all the chariot horses, but reserved of them for a hundred chariots. Okay, he hodged them. What does that mean? Yewed them. I, I said yewed. He cut him at he cut he cut him at the leg. He cut the legs. It, when you look at this word here, I looked it up some time ago. It says to pluck up, to hamstring, figuratively to exterminate. So he got rid of them, okay, just like he did after people. Okay, uh, verse five. Read that for me. And when the Syrians of Damascus came to support Adadezer, king of Zoboth. David slew of the Syrians two and 20,000 men. 22,000 men. He took them down. Those are God's enemies. David wasn't no murderer. He, God had sent him into the earth. And you see it when you see his first appearance in the Bible. With a slingshot in his hand, taking that big Philistine down. He was anointed to take the land back from the, from the heathen people that was controlling over the Israelite people from a kid. 12, 13, 12, to, it's 12 to 16 years old. He took, a, he took a slingshot and some rocks and bust that big Goliath in the head, bust his head open and he fell. Okay. He had an anointing to do it. You see it right here. Verse six, read then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became servants to David and brought gifts. And the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. And the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. Now, we're coming back to that next week right now. We're seven minutes in. Uh, oh, I, oh, I got a little more time than I thought. My sister, don't be laughing at me. <laughs> I told the people I'm a little weary <laughs> right now. I need a cup of coffee. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'll take a I'll take a quick zinger from the Holy Spirit. Give me a shot of the shot of your holy holy presence, Lord. Let me keep going. Because your servant is a little weary. You know it better than anybody. It says here, then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, <clears throat> and the Syrians became David's servants and brought gifts. And the Lord preserved David with us wherever he went. What is that? That's the sovereignty of God. That is the sovereignty of God. 
That is the planned purpose for every human being who receives Jesus Christ. Someone said, well, everybody can't be sovereign. Yes, they can. Because just like God gave him the borders of Israel and Jerusalem, he will give you borders to work in. And if all the body of Christ become jointly fit together, as we see in the New Testament, then guess what? We can take some stuff, man. I take one state, you take the next, and we all take take it to heaven and give God the glory. And then that way we can stop worrying about the LGBTQ and all these uh, equality acts. They're trying to, everybody's equal in God's eyes. Every, all black lives matter, green lives matter, Hispanics matter, Asians matter. They all matter to God. Okay, so let's get off of this racist thing and do not subscribe to all that. I do not subscribe to all that. I'm not marching up and down the street saying Black Lives Matter. I already know. The Lord told me that he said, take the sovereignty that I gave you in prayer and pray over change. And I'll take and I'll take it. He said, because uh, uh, mercy and justice run through my throne. I said, he says, part of my character is in the love. Now proclaim that and get as many people say as you can. And then you teach them how to, how to live outside of that. Read the next verse for me. Verse 6. Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became servants to David and brought gifts. And the Lord preserved David whatsoever he went, whithersoever he went. Watch this. Go ahead. And David took the shields of gold that were on the servants of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem. So every conquest that you have, every victory, is some money tied to it. It's called tribute. It's called money flow. When you find the purpose for which God had created you, okay, and you begin to operate it in the place to the people that he called you to rule and reign over, money will start to come to you. Money's coming to me from every every direction right now. And I, I thank God. I speak to it. Father, I thank you. I have access to all money. I think you, you can get me money anytime, anywhere, from anybody, for any reason, and any purpose. And I receive it now, a prosperous lifestyle. Make that statement out there. Say it with me. I receive a prosperous lifestyle right now in Jesus' name. And I've been free for 37 years. Hello, from working. I've had various businesses and all that, but guess what? I'm free. I'm free. And God will make you free too. If you've never received, I'm going to let my... Trust the assistant, make the altar call today, and I want you to pray for them to be filled with the Spirit at the end. Take your time and do your thing. In order to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you must make a confession. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart and confess that your Don't mouth, rush Jesus Christ died for you, you shall be saved. Repeat this prayer to me. Dear God, forgive me for my sins. I believe Jesus Christ died for me. Jesus, come into my heart, live inside of me. Be Lord over my life. Show me my purpose while you created me. Give me dreams and visions. In Jesus' name, amen. Talk to him about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And as far as you like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's a gift. Pray for him. It's a gift from God. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to. It's not certain religions. It's a gift from God. So if you like to be filled with this Receive this prayer. Um, repeat after me. Uh, Holy Spirit, fill me with your power overflowing. I surrender all unto thee. I surrender my mind, my will, my tongue unto thee. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. I step out on faith, and I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Okay, now, key point, key teaching point right here. You, do, you don't pray to the Holy Spirit. You pray to the Father in Jesus' name, and you ask the Father in Jesus' name for the Holy Spirit to fill you up. The Holy Spirit is the third person, okay? Um, it's like you have muscles on your arms. Would you, would, you, would you go to the muscles on your arms and say, listen, I need you to think for me? No. There's a head, and the head is the Father. Jesus is Son, and through his death, burial, and resurrection, are believing it. Then we can access the Holy Spirit. We never pray to the Holy Spirit. It's not recorded one time in the Bible, and so we want, to, we want to stay Bible and scriptural. We love you with the love of the Lord. We can go with it, and we're going to have some beautiful music. If you want to contact me, contact me at 424-261-3208. You can visit us at 9815 South Vermont Avenue. Um, that's the Do-Right Christian Church. Every Saturday at 9.30, we're there, social distance, temperatures taken, everybody got masks on. So come and visit us. I would love to see you there. You can re-listen re -listen to this broadcast. If you listen to it on KTYM, you can go to anchor.fm slash Voice of Dominion, and you can listen to it over and over again. We want you to subscribe. You can send us an offering to G-A-M-N dot L-I-F-E, G-A-M-N dot L-I-F-E. Um, that's Gamlife Global Apostolic Ministerial Network, and you can go to the donation page, and we, we have that website set up to kind of let you know what I'm doing. I'm doing apostolic work and teaching the Word, and we love you with the love of the Lord. We thank you for G-A-M-N dot Life, L-I-F-E, and hit the donation page to give us a donation. This is the Possum Prophet Chris Ward. Call me at 424-261-3208. Thank you. See you.